You've been hearing how some big brands are winning through simplicity. But don't get intimidated. You can do this too, no matter the size of your team or your budget. Want to learn the six behaviors you can instill to create simple experiences for your customers and your team members? Download a free copy of my simple playbook today. It'll help you immediately turn your customer experience around and create an Amazon experience without having an Amazon budget. Grab your copy of my simple playbook at mattliles.com slash simple playbook. Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now, here's your host, Matt Lyles. I've really enjoyed meeting with and talking with all of my guests on the Simple Brand Podcast. But I can truly say, without a doubt, that I love this week's guests more than any other. In honor of Father's Day coming up this weekend, I recorded a special Father's Day interview with my sons, Alan and Thomas. You know, children can have a pretty different perspective on the world than we have, and it can be pretty insightful to hear their perspective. In this episode, I talk with my boys about some of their favorite brands and what they think about the experiences those brands deliver to them. And we talk about a number of the leadership lessons that they're currently learning and trying to instill. Of course, I enjoyed hearing a unique perspective on the lessons I discuss and teach. But really, it was just a lot of fun spending time with my boys as part of my work. So here it is, my father and son's interview with Alan and Thomas Lyles. Hey guys, how are you doing? Good, we're glad to be here. I'm doing great. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here too, seeing well, seeing how we all live here. This is pretty cool. This is a first for me, you know, being able to have my sons on the podcast here. But just before we begin, for the benefit of those listening, can each of you just take a moment and just give a brief introduction of yourself? Hello, my name is Alan Lyles. I'm going into the sixth grade. I do taekwondo and archery, and I love anime and manga. Oh, cool. Hello, my name is Thomas Lyles, and I really like to get outside and do a great activity or play a good card game with my brother. Awesome, cool. Well, I'm excited to have y'all here. As y'all know, we're coming up on... Father's Day, and I guess as your Father's Day present to me, we can do this interview. And we're just going to talk about a lot of things that we like and some of the lessons that you know you guys are seeing out there in businesses and restaurants and all the things that you like to do, the things that you like to read and things you like to watch. And then also some of the lessons that you're learning, whether it's in school or what you're reading or the lessons in Taekwondo. Of course, I talk about and I focus on simplicity and I focus on simple experiences. So I'd love to know from you guys, what do you think it means for a company to provide a simple experience to their customers? I would think good customer service 
Yeah. So it doesn't have to be such a hassle to buy something. Yeah. What do you think, Thomas? I would think that you would really need some discipline and uh, that you would uh, <laughs> not get your prices too high. Yeah, not get, not have too high prices, yeah. Well, so how do you know if your prices are too high or not? Well, if someone says or if you notice that some of the prices are unreasonable, then you can lower down the prices. Okay, there you go. Or ha- maybe have some events where things are like half off or buy two, get one free. Oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and we've seen that sometimes. Like sometimes there's there's special days, special weekends, special events. Um, I think maybe even you know even some of the comic stores, comic and toy stores that we've seen and gone to. I think they had like a special Star Wars Day sale. You know, like twenty percent off on Star Wars items. Or sometimes it'll be you know buy three Funko Pops and get one free. So yeah, that makes sense. Well, so being kids and being a little bit younger, you guys have a different perspective and you've got different visibility into different companies, different businesses, different brands. So what are some of your favorite brands? What are some of your favorite companies? Me and Thomas both love Marvel. Oh yeah. All their action figures and comics and movies. It's fun. (laughs) Uh, Me and Thomas also both collect Funko Pops. Um, me too. The Funko. <laughs> and me and Thomas like anime and manga such as uh, Shonen Jump or Viz Media. All right, anime and manga. So what about that? What do you like about anime and manga? Well, every once in a while, it's fun to read uh, left to right. Well, yes, that is pretty cool. I, I, I mean... I don't think I realized that until recently, and it's it's been cool seeing you bring home all those different books and read it from, to me, what would be the back of the book going to the front of the book. Thomas, what about you? I really like the action, and you just see some great characteristics and some of the characters, and it's really fun to read a good book or watch a good TV show. Oh, yeah. Also, it's all different types of genres for all different types of ages. That's true. That's true. And something that's that's been really cool to watch you read, Alan, is to see some of these these classic books that are done in a manga style. Um, So what are are some of those books you've read? Uh, I've read Jungle Book. Oh, yeah. uh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. I'm... Read half of Frankenstein, didn't finish that. Did you read uh, Macbeth recently? Yes, I read Macbeth as <laughs> yeah. well. Macbeth. And I think that's it. Very cool. Well, what about Funko Pops? I mean, why, why do you guys like Funko Pops so much? Once again, there's all different types of genres. Yeah. There's for any, like almost anything, anything you've ever watched, read, even played in a board game. Oh, true, yeah. Characters in board games. Yeah. Uh, they most likely have it as a Funko Pop. What about you, Thomas? Why do you like Funko Pops? Well, 
when you have one of your favorite characters and it's in a display, then you can get everybody to know what your favorite character or that, like, it just pretty much looks cool in your room. Or, like, if you want, say, if you wanted to sell some, you would get some pretty good money for some pretty good Funkos. I think so, yeah. So, you know, I mean, people are buying them and, and you can resell them. There's a lot of people that collect them and a lot of people that buy them. And some, sometimes you can even sell them for a higher price than what you got it for. Well, what are some of your favorite Funko Pops that you have? Um, I like a lot of the villain characters I have because I like seeing the small, cute versions of them. <laughs> yes, that does help. It, that, that makes them look a little bit nicer. What about you, Thomas? What are some of your favorite Funko Pops? I really like the uh, Velociraptor from Jurassic Park and uh, like... There's a whole collection, like I have two Star Wars, two Sonic, and a bunch of other ones. And they're all pretty cool, but I really do like the Velociraptor. I can tell, yeah. And of course, I've got some too. You know, I've got, who all do I have? I've got Doctor Strange. Uh, The gopher from Caddyshack. (laughs) That's right. That was a gift from you guys, wasn't Mm -hmm. it? You got... (laughs) Uh, that was a Father's Day gift. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it also came awesome. with the club hat. Yes, Bushwood. Bushwood um, Country Club. You have Sting, Iggy Pop, Bluey? Or Bluto. Bluto. Bluto from, from Animal, Animal House. House. <laughs> um, got Han Solo. Yes, Han Solo. Uh, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. That was their first one. That's right, yeah. Santa that, Claus brought that one. Yeah, we uh, we had opened all our presents, and then Thomas found some under a chair that were unopened, and that's what it was. Ooh, surprise gifts from Santa. Don't know why they were under the chair. Because they were fallen. hidden. And then, and then I've also got um, I've got Paul Stanley from Kiss. So yeah, oh, yeah. so I've got my favorite Funko Pops too. So those are those are products that companies create and you purchase like in in stores. So what are some of your favorite stores? Uh me and Thomas love to go to comic book shops. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of those. They're all fun to go to. They really are. Target is good. Yeah. Uh What do you like oh, about My oh. favorite store is Barnes and Noble. Why is that? Why Barnes and Noble? They have most everything: card games, uh, DVDs, music DVDs, uh, Funko Pop, board games, toys, uh, and books. <laughs> books. They're based around books. Yeah. Well, and I love that you guys both love to read and love to read like the real tactile, like real analog books that you that you hold in your hand another store that i really like is mckay's because you stuff you don't want goes in and stuff you want comes out (laughs) describe mckay's to me because not everybody knows about mckay's so they 
So you can bring in boxes of books or anything that you don't want. It ranges from CDs to video games to toys. Yeah. Basically anything. Um, And you can sell them in. You can trade them in. And they'll give you either real money or in-store credit. I always take in-store credit. Um, And then with the in-store credit, you can buy anything that someone else has traded in to them. And they have Funko Pop comic books. They even got some guitars and stuff. They do, yeah. Guitars, video games. Video games. Vinyl. Vinyl yeah. albums. What's your favorite store, Thomas? Well, I really like the uh, new Cadet, where you can, uh, it's a comic store, and you just, there's pretty much everything, everything I see there, it appeals. So, last time I was there, I had trouble figuring out between a handful of different Funkos. <laughs> so, it's a really good comic store. All right. So, you mentioned cadets, and cadets, comics, and toys is right here in Spring Hill. It's probably, I don't know, maybe like two miles from our house. We could walk there if we wanted to, but we usually don't want to. Um, So it's really close. And we don't have to name the other comic and toy places that we've been to in our area, but we've been to at least two or three others. So, Thomas, earlier I had heard you talk about cadets a few days ago, and it sounded like both of you guys agreed that cadets was probably the best comic book store experience you guys have had. So talk to me about that. What makes Cadets so great? What makes Cadets stand out from some of the other comic book stores? From now and then, new comic shops will have higher and higher prices each time you go there. And Cadet, it's a new comic shop, and I'm surprised, but they actually have some pretty good reasonable prices for their, well, everything. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they really did have reasonable prices on the comics and even on the action figures. Alan, why do you think Cadets stands out from the other comic book stores we've visited? Well, they were very small, but they were very, very organized. If you were looking for anything Iron Man, they would have, they could show you like three different sections where you could go, uh, anything. And it wasn't just like popular known characters like if you asked i want to see west coast avengers (laughs) yeah they would have like a box of comic books of west coast avengers now when we were in there compared to some other stores did you feel welcomed in the store yes um they were very kind and they were fun to talk to how did they talk to you they wanted to know what I liked. Yeah. And they talked to me about stuff I liked, and that was cool. Yeah, absolutely. And Thomas, what about you? They were very good in hospitality. Well, they were kind. And they were, they just, they let us. Pick out what we wanted, and then we paid for them. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, one, one thing that I appreciated, you know, that, that Alan alluded to was they asked questions like, well, what are you into? What do you like? And even just talked about, like, just talked about an excitement around some of your favorite characters. Oh, you like that guy? I like him too. Here's, here's some really cool stories about him that, that I've read, or here's some things that I've seen recently. And then after finding out what you liked, they went around and kind of pulled out some issues and said, hey, if you like Black Panther, because Thomas, that's, that's your favorite character, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said, if you like Black Panther, you might like these issues right here. I think they do such a great job there as far as providing a personalized experience, providing and building a relationship with their customers. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I want to go back there, you know, just to at least just hang out and just talk to them. I agree. Yeah. Me too. Okay. So beyond products, beyond stores, there's another place that we like to go to is restaurants. A lot of our family experiences revolve around food right now. So, of course, we go to a number of different restaurants. I know I've got my favorite restaurants, and you guys have your favorite restaurants. So tell me, what are your favorite restaurants? Now, on some different restaurants, me and Thomas vary, but we can both agree that we love Culver's. Culver's. Oh, my goodness. Thomas, you agree? Yes, I very much do agree. Why Culver's? Like, what's what's so good about Culver's? Me and Thomas both really like cheese, and they yes. have good cheese curds and cheeseburgers and a lot of different uh, options for dessert. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they have the like, they have some pretty good ice cream. Yeah, really good ice cream and custard and lots of different recipes for mixing all kinds of candies and cookies and also fruit. And they get their cheese from Wisconsin, which is known for their cheese. That's true. Very famous. Yeah. Very great. Very great cheese. But now, tell me about their burgers. Like, what makes their burgers so good? Uh, so one thing that is troublesome is sometimes when I eat a burger that's like two patties or so, it's so hard to fit in my mouth and take a bite. But they squeeze their patties down really thin. And it gets all the flavor in there, and it's a lot easier to eat. It is, and it's it's kind of smashing it on the grill, like 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 a smash burger. And you're right; it does make the patty a little bit thinner. It locks all that flavor in, and it gives it a nice little extra crisp and crust all around the edges. As it's very, it's very good. If you have a double patty and you just, like, if you have a problem trying to get your mouth onto a burger that's a double patty, and you will just got a problem there, but Culver's flattens their things. So, I mean, it's pretty good. It is really good. And to me, like that's that's one of the ways that their product stands out, that their product is different. Their their burgers are different from other burgers. It's still a burger, you know, but it's a, it's different in that the patty is a little bit thinner, so it's you don't have to like try to stretch your mouth all over it. Um and it has that extra crispy crusty stuff on the outside so it's different also your order is very quick you order sit down and it's 
right there. That's true. That's true. Now, tell me about their customer service there. How, how are the people that, that work there? They have great customer service. They're polite and they're ready to take your order and yeah. get you some delicious food. That's true. They treat us very kindly and they treat us with some delicious food. Yeah, yeah, they do. It is delicious. And and they even say, my pleasure, whenever you say thank you to them. And at first I thought, oh, maybe, maybe that person just used to work at Chick-fil-A and now they work at Culver's. No, I think every person, at least at the Culver's that we go to, every person, when you thank them, they say, oh, my pleasure. All that to say is that their customer service is on par with Chick-fil-A, who is known for providing great customer service. I agree. Yep. Very well. <laughs> Any other favorite restaurants? Uh, Chick-fil-A is good. Well, yeah. Yep, definitely Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A um, is good. Mooyahs is good. Popeyes is good. Thomas, why Popeyes? Popeyes became your favorite chicken sandwich last year. Why? Their chicken is really great and... It's like a chicken burger. And with the mayonnaise, it mm. just makes it even better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what you like. We've talked about how employees talk to customers and sometimes how companies talk to customers too. And one of the ways that companies talk to their customers is through storytelling. And so I know you guys, you, you read a lot, so you know good stories. So tell me, who are some really good storytellers and what makes their stories so good? I really like Stan Lee and R.L. Yeah. Stein. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, uh, two, two American icons, um, both a little bit different, but tell me about that. And, and actually... Um, so, Alan, in your school project, your last project for the school year, I think, y'all did a wax museum, and you requested to do Stan Lee, and the teacher originally said no, she didn't think so, but I think you were able to make a good case to her why Stan Lee is a great American icon, so you were able to do Stan Lee. Mm -hmm. What all did you learn about him? I learned that uh, he was... A very good storyteller, even when he was young. He once entered a newspaper contest for writing stories, and he won so many times they had to ask him to stop entering. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's awesome. What made Stan Lee such a good storyteller? All his characters were very exotic. Each story was different than the last. Mm -hmm. There was always a twist or something unexpected and every character was different and one thing that he did a lot differently in that time was he gave his most of the characters such as superman were just great icons nothing was wrong with them they were just not even human almost he gave his characters personal problems in their normal human lives and keeping up with their superhero lives that is really interesting because a lot of people talk about how, you know, Superman is too perfect and all the Marvel characters, they at least have some sort of flaws. 
so I, th- I think one of the reasons is is that people can relate to them more. Um, if we think about ourselves, I mean, you know, no matter who we are, yes, we try and always think of others, but really we do tend to think of ourselves a lot. And when we see stories and characters where we can see ourselves in that story or where, where we can relate with that character in that story, we're, we're much more prone to be invested in that story and much more prone to engage in that story. And I think that's one of the things that Stan Lee really called on to was making characters that are relatable. I agree. Well, now, Thomas, how about you? Well, I really like Stephen Pastis. Who's that? Well, he has a comic strip, Pearls Before Swine. And my favorite series, he writes Timmy Failure, and he's a pretty good author. I love his books. Nice. Well, tell me about Timmy Failure. Why do you like Timmy Failure so much? Timmy Failure is a wonderful kid who has a very, he has a very big humor, and he is always on the case for anything what occupation does he have well i mean he's a he's a kid detective a kid detective and his dad was an agent and i guess that inspired him so i mean he's doing a failure oh very cool and i like how you like the whole series he's he's had a number of books right he's had seven Seven failure books. Have you read all seven? Yes. Wow. Um, and one of the very first lines of the book was that his name, I it it sounds French or something. It's like failure. Oh yeah. And someone changed it to failure, and so the whole book is about him trying to prove to everyone that he is much better than a failure. He is the exact opposite of a failure. Oh, nice. I forgot to mention he has a pet polar bear. His name is Total. Total, so total failure. So here, here's one thing because I haven't read the books, and I'm slightly familiar with total failure, but like I could never figure out: is the bear real or imaginary? Real. Yeah, you will. You never actually figure out because sometimes the bear will interact with other characters, and sometimes it sounds like a part of his figment of imagination. Oh, interesting. So he just leaves it up to you, the reader, to make that decision, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Thomas, what do you think? What's what's your decision? Well, I mean, I guess he had a good explanation why that total was there. But, I mean, he does kind of act like he's imaginary. Well, that's neat. Very cool. And um and and I've always I've I've so impressed with how much you guys read and how much you love to read. Now, Alan, you mentioned Stan Lee, but you also mentioned R.L. Stein, and I think you've been an R.L. Stein fan for years, maybe since kindergarten or first grade, maybe. Yeah. Um, my first R.L. Stein books was I got for Christmas uh, a lunchbox, six books, and a bookmark, Ooh. and I started reading them with you. I would read a chapter, then you would read a chapter, and I loved it. Uh, he leaves a cliffhanger after every chapter, so you really want to read more. Every story is different. All the villains and monsters in the 
stories. They're all different. And then he also does some comedy books, too. He wrote the magazine that you used to read when a kid, when you were a kid called Bananas. That's right. We, yeah, we, we, we just found that out recently in reading his... Uh what what what's that series of books? Uh, the Who Was series. Yes, Who Was R.L. Stein. Read Who Was R.L. Stein. Yeah, and you know what else that's really cool about R.L. Stein? And I love this, and I always try to point this out when I find somebody who has become really successful later in life than what people normally expect. And I didn't know this about R.L. Stein. Was did you know that he was? I believe. 48 years old when he wrote his very first Goosebumps book. Yes. He is still writing them and oh yeah, he's like, I'm just guessing here, but he's close to 70 or 80. He's really old. I think I'm, I'm trying to remember when his birthday is. I think it's 1943. So he's almost 80 years old. Yeah. And also he went through a lot of trouble writing Goosebumps. It was like the I'm going on memory. I it's probably not correct, but he his books was like the t- in the top ten most challenged books during it was close to the two thousands, something you, like that. What do you mean most challenged books? Uh, parents wanted it banned from libraries because they thought it was too scary and violent for kids. But he got back through and. He is even in the Guinness Book of World Records for selling for selling the most children's books in the world. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, he he's he's sold a ton and and he's he's another, you know, uh children's literary icon. What is one other thing about his his storytelling style that is part of his brand, you think? It's very, there's always a twist at the end. That is my yep. favorite part of the books. Sometimes yep. I'm just too eager and I'll look to the back of the book to figure out the twist. Like, oh my goodness. Sometimes it'll be either something bad happens to the character at the very end and you're like, wait, what happens next? Ooh. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It leaves with a cliffhanger and most of the time it's bad for the character in the book. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's there, there's always a twist, and I think it was like even even in the Goosebumps movies when Jack Black, who was playing R.L. Stein, he always said every good story has a beginning, a middle, and a twist. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and I think that's something that R.L. Stein kind of tapped into, understanding that a lot of people like to be surprised. You know, I mean, you like consistency. Uh, throughout an experience that you get, but people like to be surprised. And if you can do that in a story, if you do that every time in a story, that's a pretty good skill. What do you think, Thomas? Do you like Goosebumps books too? I'm going to have to say one of my favorite series is Goosebumps. And probably my favorite Goosebumps book was the first one I ever read, which was Welcome to Horrorland. Welcome to Horrorland? Nice. You always remember your first. Yes. What do you like about the Goosebumps books? The Goosebumps books are always, they always have a good plot. And every single time you just like, you're just all like, what's going to happen to the character next? Or 
what's going to happen to the monster at the end. And you're just, you just really want to read more because you want to figure out what's, you want to figure out what's in the book. That's a really good point. And a lot of authors are like this, but not all authors, is being able to write in a way that keeps you anticipating what's going to happen next. And if you're always looking forward to what's going to happen next, then you're invested, you're hooked. And it's really difficult to stop reading. Also, he puts little humor Easter eggs into his books. A lot of his books are based off the name, are like silly versions of the names of horror movies. Uh, He has a book called Night of the Living Dummy, which is based off Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. And then there was It Came From Beneath the Sea, and he wrote It Came From Beneath the Kitchen Sink. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Like, you know, taking something that might be a little bit familiar that, that kids may have heard that title elsewhere having something that's familiar to them. And they also have a, a body squeezers thing. Oh, yeah. There was Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and he wrote Invasion of the Body Squeezers. The Body Squeezers? I'm not familiar with that one. Were they, were they freeze you and or something like that? It's Ooh. same sort of genre, aliens and stuff. Yeah. Wow. But no, like that, that's, that's a really good point. And he has... He has a format that he follows fairly consistently. You know, having a title that is somewhat familiar and then writing in a way where there's a cliffhanger at the end of each chapter. So you, you know, you may think, okay, I'm only going to read until nine o'clock and then I'm going to go to bed. And then you turn around, it's 930 and you're still going because you want to keep reading it. And then there's always a twist. Mm -hmm. And so people like that. People like having that consistent format that they can read each time. We've talked about, gosh, we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about storytelling and books that you like. We've talked about the restaurants you like, the stores that you like, the products you like. There's something else that you guys do, which I think is really fun, and it's Taekwondo. Both of you guys are in Taekwondo. And I talk about simple experiences. And another side of simple experiences is how leaders can create simple experiences for their employees or simple experiences for the people that they interact with. And in your Taekwondo program, beyond just the moves, beyond just the forms and beyond just the weapons, you're also learning leadership skills. So let's talk about those. What leadership skills are you learning in Taekwondo? Discipline, honesty, well, I, the first pillar we learned about was discipline and a belief and then I think self-esteem mm-hmm. and then respect and then honesty. And there's one more, something that we're, that we're both doing right now. Communication. communication. <laughs> yes, communication. Why is communication important? It brings people together. And that's how you lead others, by communication. And you really have to be good with that because there's even in the, they call it ATA Tigers, which is a class for, I think, pre-K through kindergarten or first, something like that. There's a Spanish boy who does not know English. He's Hispanic? Uh Uh-huh. 
And th- this th- this is in your studio? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And he, uh, they have to kind of use like a sign language sort of thing to just tell him what to do. Yeah, so, so that he can understand. Now, okay, so you guys are 11 and 8. And I remember back to when I was that age, I mean, I was a pretty shy kid. I was pretty shy. And it was not easy for me to communicate with anybody that was older than me. But what about you guys? Have you guys learned anything that's helped you to be able to communicate with others or communicate with adults? Um, it's, it's never been that hard for me. It's just talking to someone and it's pretty easy. Well, it is. And, and I think one of the things is I've always just pushed you to talk to adults. You know, like if, 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 even when you were like, you know, what, four or so, if we were at a restaurant, I would make you order for your food. And sometimes if you guys needed help or had a question for somebody, instead of me going to ask the question to somebody, I would say, okay, you guys go ask the question. And so it's kind of like, kind of like exercising, like getting those reps in. Yeah. What do you think, Thomas? I think that we're both doing pretty well on communication. And I just think it's good to talk to somebody you don't know so that you do get to know them. And you get to, like, know them even better. And yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, no, that's good. And And as you get to know people... Does that make it easier or harder for you to talk to even newer people? It makes it easier. Yeah. Yeah, because you you've like you now have all kinds of other information and you can understand like oh like what are other questions I can ask people. And you're also getting so used to it. Now you just feel like doing it like every day. Yeah, I think so. I will say this. So one thing that I've noticed and we've talked about this, is that it seems like kids have trouble communicating today, whether it's talking with each other face-to-face or talking to adults. And even you guys have mentioned this about, you know, maybe some of your friends or or whatever. Why do you think that's the case with kids today? It may be because lots of kids play lots of screens and it may be because they don't have a lot of face-to-face conversations with real people that they know. Are you saying that if somebody is like just stuck in their screen all the time without any boundaries, then like the more that they're stuck in that screen, that's less time that they have to even get comfortable talking to people? Mm-hmm. Hmm. What do you think, Thomas? I think they could have a limit of the screens, so they're not that... Like, so they're not playing them as much. So, like, you could just put it to a limit to one hour. So they aren't just, like, and so they can have better, uh, so they can practice communicating. Okay. Okay, yeah. All right, so both of you guys have had experiences with friends or other kids that you've been around where uh, where they've been stuck in screens and have, you know, not interacted with others Talk to me about that. One time, there was it was a party for all my friends who lived nearby because we were moving. Yeah. And 
one of my, we were doing some other activity. We had a trampoline, so it may have been that. I do not remember. But there was one guy who left the party because we weren't playing video games at that point. And all he wanted to do was play video games. Oh, so like, so the only thing he wanted to do was play video games and he just decided to leave the party. And, and this was a spin the night party too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So he just, he just left the spin the night party because y'all weren't playing on screens. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Why do you think that was the case? Well, when I've played video games in the past, it has been very hard to stop playing, and video games are very attractive. And it may be, it's, well, the real world is not as exciting as the video game worlds. I don't know, it, it, it could be, maybe. In some circumstances, but mostly. Depends on the game. Yeah. Well, Thomas, how about you? Have you had any experiences um, with any of your friends like that? One of my friends doesn't play video games. Another one of my friends plays video games a lot. The friend that plays video games a lot has been more like he doesn't, he's kind of shy and doesn't talk as much. But the other friend, he has a lot, a lot, a lot of friends. Everywhere I go or every place we go together, he will make a friend. Oh, nice. He's pretty awesome. Well, it sounds like you, too. I mean, everywhere you go, actually, both of you guys, everywhere you go, you tend to make friends. Well, one of the things that I've noticed about you guys, especially over the past, oh, two years at least, maybe maybe even more, really, is that you guys seem to be pretty creative. And I'm curious if any of that comes from making sure that you have limited screen time, minimum screen time. So I'm curious, what do you think are some habits that other kids can instill for them to be more creative? When we were on our screen fast, we looked for different hobbies. And so one of them that we found was playing board games. We found a lot of new board games that we really like. And some... um will connect with other hobbies that I had when I played screens. Like what? Like, we just got a game called Marvel Munchkin, yes. which is a Marvel spinoff of a Steven Jackson game, which we really like. Munchkin, the Munchkin series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, those are really fun games. Well, what about you, Thomas? Well, one way we can find stuff entertaining is... Like Alan said, we can we found some board games that involve screens, but also we've also found there's some there's like uh, some movies that have been turned into the board games. Like me and Daddy played the Funkoverse Jurassic Park game. Yeah, those are pretty fun, and you know. And these games, you know, Munchkin, uh, the Funkoverse board games, some of the other board games that we have, like King of Tokyo, things like that, they're kind of complex, and they really kind of make you think. Like you've, like you've got to, you've got to strategize, and you've got to really, uh, you know, keep your head in the game, so to speak. The Funkoverse literally says itself, strategy game. Oh, well, there you go. 
strategy game. Well, so what are some other habits that kids can instill to be more creative? So I've been doing my little own comic series. You created your own comic series? Called, uh, I have a handful. There's the Rooks, Funko Pop, and then Macho Cats, <laughs> and a lot more. And probably my favorite is Macho Cat. I already have issue number one and issue number two. You have issue number one, you have issue number two, but m- meaning you you created the issues. Yes. And you created Macho Cat. Tell me about Macho Cat. Macho Cat is, he is a really brave cat and he's... He is friends with Mr. Pig, <laughs> and at the end of, like, at the end of issue number two, he finds out that Mr. Pig is working with Sumo Dog, and Sumo Dog is the main bad guy in the comic series. Oh, my goodness. And so he just gets betrayed. Wow. So, okay, so Macho Cat, Mr. Pig... Sumo dog. I mean, those can sound kind of silly, but how do you think that helps you um, in your development and growth as you create those things? Well, as I'm creating the comics, I think that I'm just getting a lot more. I'm helping my mind think of stuff. So if you want to make something silly, think of what you like most. And what I like most is animals, and I think that it will help me in, like, developing creativity. Yeah, yeah, very much. I think that's awesome. How about you, Alan? What are some habits you think other kids can have and can instill to be more creative? Uh, First of all, try and find new things you like. Over the past year or so, have you tried and experimented with new things to see if you liked them and, you know, found new things that you either did like or maybe didn't like, but at least you tried it? Yes. What's that? I tried hamburgers. Well, e- and I eating love hamb- them. Yeah, there you go. See, yeah. And the, and the trying new activities, but also just, you know, trying new foods or trying new things to do. Yeah. And some things you like. And then I like Taekwondo when I tried that. That's true, yeah. Yeah, um, when we first approached you about Taekwondo, you weren't interested, but then when you saw Thomas try it, you thought, hmm, I might want to do that too. And, and both of y'all have gotten great. Much, much better than I am at Taekwondo. Anything else? Also, I figured out that I liked archery. Archery, yeah. What's fun about that? Shooting stuff. <laughs> okay, there you go. And that helps you, you know, become stronger and it helps you uh, figure out how to become more accurate. One of the other leadership traits that y'all learned and that y'all talk, you, you mentioned earlier that you learned in Taekwondo is discipline. Talk to me about discipline. What does that mean? First of all, discipline equals freedom. Yes, according to who? Uh, Jocko Wilnick. That's right. Nikila the Don. Yeah. Many people think freedom is the, I mean, discipline is the opposite of freedom, but 
Uh, you have to be disciplined to get freedom. If you're saying, how can I lose weight? You just lose weight. Don't eat that much. It's not that hard. It may be hard, but it's not complex. Yes. And you just have to have the discipline to do it. Yeah. Opposite of laziness. Yeah, pretty much. Would you consider yourself a disciplined person? Most of the time. <laughs> I'd say you're probably above average at least. Yeah. Except for when I have to cut the grass. You know what? Not that many kids your age cut the grass, and you're doing pretty well for what you're doing. I think you're doing Thank a good you. job. Yeah, you're welcome. What about you, Thomas? What does discipline mean to you? Well, I think that discipline is something that will help you in your life every once in a while if you're like in some point where you just like the world is kind of pushing it on you and you need to have discipline to stand up to that and defend yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And you you can defend yourself against bullies. Like there there might be somebody that's like physically pushing you. And sometimes there there's just certain situations that that are pushing you that you need to be able to have the discipline within yourself to be able to stand up and do that. And it's a lot harder if you're just trying to stand up to something or stand up to somebody just this one time. But if you've got the habit of acting that way, making the habit of being disciplined, it makes it a lot easier. When we think about leadership, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I can equate leadership with parenting. And I think leaders can learn leadership lessons from parenting. And parents can learn parenting lessons from leaders. So I'd love to know from you, are there any things that I can do as a parent to improve the experience that you have from me while still ensuring that you develop, grow, and mature? Um, I have noticed this sometimes. Sometimes you'll make rules and then you won't follow them. <gasps> really? Uh-huh. Like what? Like burping at the table or... Um, oh, my goodness. Or name-calling. Yeah, you call me a weirdo almost every day. Not almost every day, no. Anyway. Okay. You know what? You're right. Then that's that's a good point. You know, um, if a leader makes a rule, then they also have to stick to that rule. It's not just for everybody else except for them. You're right. A leader makes a rule. They need to stick to that rule. So me, no more burping at the table. No more name calling. Yeah, and it's called being a podium leader. So when you make the rules, but you do nothing to ensure that they come true. Oh, uh, so just kind of just just, just stand, sit on a podium and tell people that you're going to do this, and I don't know, let someone else do it or something, or just get around to it later. Are you saying that something that something that I do that I'll make a promise and I get around and I and I don't get around to it? No. Oh, okay. We're still saying that. Um, I need to follow my own rules. Yes. Okay. What do you think, Thomas? Are there things that I can do as a parent to improve the experience that I'm delivering to you? You and mom do a pretty good job of... Y'all do a pretty good job of 
you know, protecting us from dangerous things. But what I've noticed, you're not aware of our surroundings. Ooh, what do you mean? So, like, when the wasp was flying down my back, Mom... I was not there. (laughs) Mom barely even noticed it, and it just flew down my back and stung me, and Mom didn't even know what happened. I gotcha. So, being more aware. And I will say also, sometimes you'll tell us not to do something, and I'm like, well, why is this dangerous? Like... Why do I not need to do it? And sometimes you'll just push me off and say, because I said so. I mean, I can understand it sometimes, but you could at least take the time for 10 seconds to tell me why. Fair enough. There, you know, um, Sometimes it is because I said so. And sometimes we may not have the time to explain why, but you're right. I should go back and I should explain why. When we give a rule, when we say, no, you should not do this, you're right. There's there's the need, there's that value and that benefit for you understanding why you shouldn't do it. Because as long as I don't know the reason why I shouldn't, I see no reason why I won't do it. Oh, okay. Good point. Also, since y'all do it so commonly, I'm starting to think it's just an excuse. That what's just an excuse? Because I said so. Well, sometimes it is. All right, guys. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate this. We've had some interesting discussions. I've learned a few things. But there's one last question I have for you, and I think you know what the question is. If you were to create a soundtrack for your life today, what songs would you include? Uh, do you, is there a certain number, or can I say, like, as many as I want? I don't have that many, but... You know... I usually say five, but I think you guys may have some of the same songs, and so whatever whatever number you have, whatever songs you have, let it fly. So first of all, uh, discipline equals freedom. That's an actual song. You can't get you can't always get what you want by the Rolling Stones. Uh, <laughs> that is true. You the can't upbeat song from the Teen Titans go to the movies. What's the upbeat song? It's an inspirational song about life. I can do. <laughs> yes, that. Okay, yes, that one. Um, it's Michael Bolton song. sang that song. Who? Michael Bolton. I don't know who that is. Okay, he was from uh, a long time ago. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, And then I like the Avengers and Pirates of the Caribbean theme song. Oh, yes, and they're, they're instrumental songs. Like, there's no lyrics. Mm-hmm. What do you like about those songs? Catchy. Catchy. And yeah. they're good action music. Yeah. To me, well, to, to me the, those songs are inspirational. What about you, Thomas? I really like the Avengers theme, the Pirates of the Caribbean theme. I like Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. And I like Goodbye Yellow Bick Road by Elton John. And I also like Rocket Man by Elton John. Ah, uh, I knew there'd be some... Elton John songs in there. He's your favorite artist, right? Well, I've got a lot, but he is one of them. Okay, there you go. Awesome. I love it. I love those songs. I'm glad that y'all shared those. I'm glad we got to do this. Well, thanks very much, guys. It was great seeing you. Now, go get to bed. Okay. No, yes, sir. Well, I'm sure you didn't enjoy it as much as I did. 
I do hope you enjoyed my discussion with my sons, Alan and Thomas Lyles. Be on the lookout for them to pop up again on the podcast or in my social feeds sometime in the future. And if you're enjoying the Simple Brand Podcast, go ahead, hit the subscribe button. It's going to make it a lot simpler for you to get future episodes like the next one featuring Josh Miles. Josh is a keynote speaker, a TEDx speaker, a brand consultant, the former CMO of the Society for Marketing Professional Services. He's the host of the Obsessed Show podcast, and he's the author of Bold Brand 2.0, How to Leverage Brand Strategy to Reposition, Differentiate, and Market Your Professional Services Firm. Josh and I discuss a number of lessons on creating and defining a brand that's truly differentiated. And we discuss a number of his lessons on personal branding. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll automatically get Josh's episode as soon as it's live. Until then, keep it simple. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Simple Brand Podcast. Want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode? Visit our website, simplebrandpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're finding value from the Simple Brand Podcast, leave us a rating or review. That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple. Simple.